Hello, Own Goal Nation. Welcome to Own Goal Podcast, data recording July 11th, 2022. And we have a very, very special episode for you. The third annual Onis. That's right, baby. It's the Oni! Soccer's greatest award show is finally back after we took a year off last year in protest, protesting the Ballon d'Or, not giving any awards. So we protested it by doing the same thing they did. <laughs> yeah, but we did ours with a purpose. Yeah, yeah. Um, in addition to that, we have a lot of uh, transfers to catch up on as Silly Season is in full swing. But first, to the byline. It's in, it's in our goal! It's a gift! Oh, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. He's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. It goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. As my esteemed colleague Donald has mentioned, we've got the Onis to get into. Before we jump in, though, we've got a couple news updates as well as a couple transfer roundups that we want to dive into before we get into the, the meat of the episode. And, and Donnie, i got to ask, when you imagine you know going to your first World Cup like on foreign soil, having an incredible experience, would you ever have imagined that there would be no beer allowed at, at these World Cup games? Um, if I was imagining my first experience going to a World Cup, no, that is an that is a unfathomable happening. But if you were telling me that the World Cup was in Qatar and that slave labor was used, and then you asked me, would you be shocked if they banned the sale of alcohol during games? No, that wouldn't surprise me. Also, I would I would have told you that the World Cup is in November and not wrapping up right now uh, in July. <laughs> Yeah, so given that this is the worst World Cup ever, it is no surprise that they have ironed this, uh, you know, Qatar has added this icing onto their just cake of shit. I just, I can't imagine all of those English fans, like, not being drunk. Yeah. So many of them are going to get arrested for, like, sneaking shit in. Oh, yeah, for sure. Hopefully not executed. Oh, wait. There's another story that has come out in the last five weeks about this World Cup. They, they have banned consensual sex. So, you know, verbal meme, the black arm of Apollo Creed and the white arm of Rocky Balboa clasping. And on the one hand, you have the Qatari government. On the other hand, you have Greg Berhalter. Greg Berhalter. And they're united against consensual sex. I mean... That is just I mean, wild. It's amazing what you can accomplish when you just give an ungodly sum of money to people to give you whatever you want. Like The fact that this is happening in Qatar is actually a travesty on almost every single front. Even a bigger travesty is that a Swiss court, and I mean, this, guys, you guys don't even know this. 70% of what we're talking about at this point wasn't even on the outline. We're just having to remember to us. <laughs> A Swiss court cleared both Seth Blatter and Michelle Platini of any corruption charges. Donnie, you know what the most shocking thing is that we've been talking about? What? To our listeners, is that we have a fucking outline. <laughs> that any sort of preparation goes to just these, these um, brain 
mind dump sessions. It's like that book, Ulysses, where it's just stream of consciousness. <laughs> oh, it's a great book. Yeah, try fucking reading it for more than ten minutes. I'm pretty sure that's what Jack uh, Nicholson's character was writing in uh, in The Shining. <laughs> um, so yeah, the worst World Cup ever got even worse somehow. Didn't even think it was possible, but it did. And all this, I just can't wait to have a... Well, well have, never mind. But... Moving on from that topic, um, this this isn't really news. It was expected, but Pochettino officially was released from um, PSG. They had to buy out a couple years of his contract, so he still got a hefty, hefty check. Which I think that's got to be the best part of getting fired in these major situations Dude, when you just get you right you a big check. Dude, if I could get if, if somebody would, like, I get that it's an insult. It's like we want to pay you, you know, uh, ten million dollars to not do anything. Like, I get how that's an insult, but my God, that is my goal in life, is for somebody to pay me a large sum of money to literally do nothing. Yeah, it's like a, the NBA is king of this. Um, <laughs> with John Wall, I think the Rockets over two years have played, paid him like $78 million to never play for them, which is good for him, dude. You get in the bag. So good for Poach. Um, I'm pretty sure this is exact. That's exactly what uh, uh, Chris, uh, wow, I almost said Christian Bale. Wow. Gareth Bale was like, his goal is pay me so I can golf. Oh, speaking of Christian Bale, now at, uh, where's the LAFC? I think you mean Gareth Bale. You made the same mistake I did, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but, so PSG hired Christopher Gatelier as their coach. He's been in the Uber Eats League for a really long time, since 2009. He had a long stint with St. Etienne. Then he had a four years with Lille, where his team that had um, Mike Mignon and a couple other key guys in it, uh, Renato Sanchez, um, uh, that, who's that Portuguese center back? Jose, Jose uh, Fonte? Jose, Jose Fonte. There yeah. he is. Um, that Lille team that that won um, the Uber Eats League a couple years ago. He was the coach there, and he was just kind of had a one-year with um, yep. Nice, and now he's at uh, PSG with expectations to win the Champions League. I mean, that's what the expectation is. I mean, it's going to be hard It's gonna be hard for him to win the Champions League, though, when, if we follow the pattern, uh, former PSG managers go on to win the Champions League. So, come on, bookies, wherever uh, Posh is ending up is clearly winning the Champions he's League. He's playing the Long Kong for United when Eric Ten Hag gets fired in December because, like, the entire thing is a shitstorm. Anyway... Um, transfer really market. The They're really about to front on the vibe. Let's go talk about transfers. So we're gonna kick it off with Manchester City, Donnie. Yeah, the rich keep getting richer, apparently. Um, so it's we've talked about this before, but Erling Holland officially joined Man City. Uh, they also got Julian Alvarez, uh, the Argentinian forward from River Plate, who was sought after by all the top clubs. And, and he was on fire for River Plate this year. Yeah, and they got a Calvin Phillips apparently beating a higher bid from West Ham, which created an opening at Leeds, who was filled by... Tyler Adams. Let's fucking go. I am so excited for the, the uh, Leeds United States of America. And We've got... Oh. On that subject, I have this to say. For all of you... Um, <laughs> For all of you scum like Eric who are jumping on the Leeds USA bandwagon, don't ever forget this one thing. You could not write the history of U.S. soccer without Fulham. So you're basically now, a Fulham, Chelsea fan. Fulham America. 
Full you, Himerica. You because you, you got Brian McBride, you got the goat Clint Dempsey. Now you got Anthony Robinson and Reed. and yeah, Tim Ream. Don't leave out Tim Ream. I know you want to. So I just want double, the real double, ones. I, the real ones support Fulham. I will always have a soft spot in my heart for Fulham. I will. Yeah, but you have a G spot for Leeds. But there is something that gets my bits tingling, like my boy Brendan Aronson, Tyler Adams, all working under the future of America coaching, Jesse March. And there's even rumors, as faint as they might be, they're also looking at Chris Richards. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Dream with me, brother. Dream with me. Bro, can you imagine? You're fucking squirting over there. Your OnlyFans would be OnlyFans.com slash Sir Squirts a lot. <laughs> uh, but it is exciting. <laughs> it is exciting for Tyler Adams to be at Leeds. Um, I always think it's good for U.S. players to play in the Premier League. The exposure is so good in the Prem. And for them on the personal side, the wages tend to be higher on average. <laughs> Um, so that is really exciting, and I think he really is going to get consistent playing time. But they got to stay up now. It's, they got to stay up, and the stakes are so much higher. You know that if things go wrong, obviously Jesse March will be blamed, but Tyler Adams and Brendan Aronson will be the first people blamed by the English media. That's just how it's always been. Absolutely. And my one saving grace there is apparently people when they can't cut it out in the Premier League do incredibly well in Serie A. So if like. If those two guys get blamed, maybe Brendan Aronson comes over to Milan and, you know, or Tyler Adams comes to Milan and, like, there's there's, there's a silver lining somewhere. somewhere. Then you really will be Sir Squirts a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, one more note on Man City. Zach Steffen, it looks like he's actively seeking a loan to get first-team minutes. Um, I also think that uh, that error he made in the, the League Cup. That was bad. I think that was the final nail in his coffin. Yeah, so I do hope he goes to a good club. Uh, interesting note, um, Ethan Horvath, I think, as of a couple of weeks ago, if something has changed in the last couple of weeks, it might have been. So take this with a grain of salt. As of a couple of weeks ago, he was Nottingham Forest's highest paid player. I That A surprises me, and B, I believe I saw that they were looking to, to send him out too. Damn. Man, we'd be so good for the for the first time in my lifetime. The problem position for the U.S. men's national team is goalkeeper, and I never saw this coming. I mean, only if we're not counting manager as a position. I agree with you. We've got several problem positions. Manager and keeper are definitely the two biggest ones. More on that later. <laughs> um, so. But with all these arrivals at City, some pretty key departures, and this will segue nicely to Chelsea, who have added not one but two players from City. Uh, Raheem Sterling continues his tour of the top six, now playing for three of the six. Because he as he came from the Liverpool youth system, went to the Liverpool senior team, City, and now he's with um, Chelsea. That'll be an interesting signing. Also, Nathan Ake, who was on the bench pretty much on here, his tenure for City is also at Chelsea, who have lost two center backs on free transfers in Rudiger and, think, and uh, Andreas Christensen. And interestingly, note, Ake is another one of the of a former Chelsea player yes. that that you know um, that Chelsea famous lone army. Too many too many talented guys that couldn't get minutes because they were young and couldn't upset the established team. 
had to go out and now Chelsea get to buy back at a premium. Yeah. You know, if, if Chelsea had just held on to Fikayo Tamore, they would have one of the promising young uh, center backs for the next decade. But instead, they sent, they sent them to Milan. We cloudly said, thank you. I mean, Chelsea- if we take that a step further, Chelsea could have both Kevin De Bruyne and Mo Salah, arguably the two best players in the Premier League on the same team. The first and like the third best player on the, in the Premier League, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to accept the sunny erasure. Well, right, and and plus, don't forget a 37 Christian, 37 year old Cristiano Ronaldo was the third <laughs> top goal scorer in the league. Sure. Um. So interesting, Sterling, another winger coming in. Um, Chelsea heavily linked with other wingers, including Neymar, which would be fascinating. I think I don't think there's a lot of smoke to that fire. I don't see PSG letting him go. I figured we'd kind of sprinkle in the, some good rumors while we. Talk. I I I would. If there's there so on the face, I would hate Neymar to Chelsea because it would either mean pure bench minutes for Pulisic, or they'd they'd probably be sending him to Juventus for Matthias uh, Delit. If if I could get a guarantee that if Chelsea get Neymar, they they would one hundred percent transfer Pulisic to somebody who's not Juventus or Inter. Damn it! Damn it! I would, I would, I would give so much to, to see that happen because I know a couple of Chelsea fans who would one hundred percent hate, hate bringing Neymar in and having to like be a Neymar club, and I would just enjoy seeing them experience that, but not at the expense of Pulisic or the expense of me watching Pulisic play with Weston McKinney for Juventus or play for for Inter, and I literally just have to give up soccer for the rest of my life. I can't see Pulisic in an Inter shirt. I can't picture that. Juventus, I can kind of picture. Yeah, I know. Why? But I really, the Inter one, I really can't picture that one. Um, so more on the City exodus, and it was a pretty big exodus, guys, so let's talk about Arsenal. They have been moving this transfer window. They got Gabby Jesus from Man City. They also got um, Marquinhos, Brazilian winger from Sao Paulo, Fabio Vieira from Porto, and Matt Turner is officially uh, the backup goalie at Arsenal. I do, we did skip over something with Chelsea, though. What did we skip? Big Rom heading back to Inter. Yes, I kind of skipped that because we were going to talk about that with Inter. Okay. But yes, they okay. also lost well, Big Rom. Yeah, and, and there's also rumors that the Chelsea exodus isn't, isn't done yet, too. And we'll cover that in a couple bullet points. And something to add on that, um, Chelsea's ownership, now they now have American ownership officially, and they are no longer Putin's, owned by Putin's wallet, so to speak. Yeah, and uh, they, uh, Petr Cech and uh, Marina Granskakova, or whatever her name is, uh, they've been ousted by the, the Bowley administration, so making some wholesale changes across the board at Chelsea. And it'll be fascinating to see if you know Tuchel's a real manager, and if he can actually do something without uh, the backing of sovereign wealth, <laughs> Tuchel Gates continues to fascinate. Um, so let's go to Arsenal's rival Tottenham, and they are making some fucking moves. And one of them, which I absolutely love because I really like this player, is Rickardson. Dude, that's without a Carl- that's without a Conte, Carlson, that's a Con- Antonio Conte player right there. Without Carlson, Everton finished twentieth last season. One I have no doubt in that. If it's below Norwich, that was Charleston. 
And if Rickarson can score some goals on that pathetic team, imagine what he's going to do playing with Harry Kane and Son. It's going to be, I think, really, really, really exciting to watch. You know, I'm gonna. You know what I'm gonna start at, always think about that Manu Tottenham game where Manu won three zero, and that's what got um, Santos fired. And they brought in Conti. Whoever lost that game between Ole, yeah. And I'm just always gonna one regret. Like if we had lost that game, do we get Conti? Like, like did did the Tottenham players throw that game knowing that they were gonna? <laughs> I just think that the course of both of these teams was significantly impacted by that game because maybe we could have gotten Conti instead of whatever the fuck Ralph was supposed to be. Yeah, dude. I can't even. I have no idea what happened there. Uh, so, but not yeah, they're yeah. not even done either. Um, there's a move that I really like. Uh, he's a little bit older now, but Ivan Perisic making his way from Inter to Tottenham. Uh, Conti worked really well with Perisic the year before at Inter when they delivered the title. Uh, Perisic, you know, people probably remember him best as a winger for Croatia during the World Cup. He's actually, you know, in his late last couple of years, converted into a, a wing back and attacking style wing back. Loves to work and overload in attack with his winger, and you can just see Perisic on the the probably the left side, one twoing with Sonny, and then allowing Sonny to get in the box and just whipping in a dangerous cross to one of Kane, Sonny, Richardson. There's there's a lot to like from this acquisition. And I think it was even on a free. It was on a free. Or like negligible dollars. But in addition to that, there's something to be said about having an experienced winner. For in sure. the locker room for a team that is known for not winning trophies. Something about, I mean, we talked about it with uh, last podcast with uh, the those Latan obviously had an impact when he played on the field, though he was out for some injury. Also, part of the reason why he's so important to the team is the locker room. And I, and I think fans maybe don't always appreciate that as much. Like what bringing in experience does to the locker room. It teaches got young guys how to be professionals, how to behave like a professional. And I think I think a lot of fans maybe discount the value that has in the team. And and, and, and these like younger guys or even like guys that aren't that young but don't have that that title winning experience, there's certain people that they when they see that and how they act and behave and treat like themselves in this process, they will fall in line too. Yes. It, it is incredible. So I, I yeah, I, I completely agree. And then two other good signings. They got uh, Yves uh, Basuma in the midfield from Brighton. Brighton got fucking raided this transfer window. They also got that left. They, had, they sold that left back of theirs, that stellar to uh, Man City. Mark Cucurella. Yeah. He's not He's not gone yet. He's about to be gone. Didn't he get the here we go? I, I If it came in today, yes. Uh, last I saw was there hasn't been an official bid, but it sounds like personal contacts have been agreed. Um, and then they got Linguette. From Barcelona to CB the center back position. So Tottenham making moves. Everyone's making moves. Well, not everyone, but we'll get there soon enough. Well, well this, this next team making moves. Yeah, 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 yeah. This next team is uh, Liverpool walked around the race for Darwin Nunez from Benfica as they had Sadio Mane depart the club. We'll get into that a little bit more. And they also got Fabio Carvalho, um, attacking mid slash winger from Fulham, who was one of their like three outstanding players, along with Mitrovic and um, Jedi Robinson. And this was a deal that had been agreed to 
the winter window maybe or yes. was it even, yeah and, and it was it's one of those they made the agreement then and just knew that he'd be finishing out the season and then coming to, to join Liverpool so I think this one has kind of gone a little under the radar but he's he is a very exciting talent uh it's kind of frustrating how often Liverpool are able you know, th- you know what this reminds me of it's a little bit different because he's coming from the championship but I just get the vibes of, of how they nabbed up Diego Tripto yeah uh, and I, I, similar to how you and I have kind of frustratingly said, you know, after Jota scores his third header, like in a, in, a, in a game in a row, like how did teams let Liverpool get this guy for such a, a relatively low fee? I just feel like we're going to be saying the same thing about Carvalho in like a season and a half. I agree. And that leads us to the uh, final member and the lowliest member of the top six, um, Manchester United, who have only one signing to announce in left-back Tyrell Malasia from uh, Theronerud in the Eredivisie. I mean, there's a little bit more to discuss. <laughs> That's the only bit. official signing. Uh, there's a verbal agreement with Christian Eriksen, which did get a here-we-go, but there's no announcement from the club, so it's as, it's as good as done. I mean, a lot of Manny fans are hating on this, but I like they're that. getting him on a free, and does he make the team better? Yes. Yeah, and it's not like wages is really something that United have to be overly concerned with, right? It's not like you guys aren't pinching pennies to like pay wages, right? Right. I feel like I feel like now every every window you'll have like a transfer budget that you got that you that you'll have to fall in line with. But as a free transfer, this isn't gonna no really really affect that. And yeah, he he makes the team better, and even even if. You know, he ends up not not playing every game because either his age, his you know, or just because of the competition uh, and that attacking style, the midfield role. That level of competition internally will will not just make him play better, but will make his competition play better. You know, we've seen how good Bruno is. Put a little internal competition, let a little fire in him, and maybe he can take his game to another level. I agree. Um... And I'll just leave it at that. I agree with what you said. Okay. Um, uh, the Frankie Young <laughs> saga. I feel like this is going to be something that's not going to be done until the deadline. Yeah. And apparently, like, it's being held up because Barcelona owe him, like, 20 million. I saw 17 million in deferred wages. And so I was like, well, that's fucking Barcelona's problem. <laughs> um, Dude, how, how, how are Barcelona signing these players? Or like making offers of fifty million for Lewandowski if they if they're uh, like sixty million in debt to wages owed to players. I have no idea. I, I said they owe they owe Busquets like twenty five million or something. That is wild. <laughs> um, then you know, of course, Manu has uh, apparently made a bid for uh, Brazilian winger Anthony from Ajax, one of. Uh, Eric Ten Hag's old guys. We've also made a bid for a 5'9 center back. <laughs> and Lissandro Martinez. If he's going to play defensive mid, which he's played before, okay. But you're not going to be 5'9 at center back in the Premier League. And I'm not even a height supremacist like you. I'm just saying you can't be 5'9 and be center back. Hey, Donnie, if the shoe fits, man. It's center back. Did I, did I say anything about the fact that Malassi is 5'7? No, because he's playing fullback. It doesn't matter. Guerrero's like 5'1. He's 5'5", five, five, but you get 5'5". Five, five, yeah. um, and then we could sign Dybala on a free. I don't know with Man U, man. It's pathetic. The transfer's pathetic. Nothing is changing. 
I have no hope. I don't think I'll have hope for a very long time. Just to to put the nail in your coffin, and this is something that I think we've we've discussed offline. It's for me. It's not even those last couple of things you mentioned that are concerning. It's that you really presently can't compete with, uh, like when when you guys go head to head against competition for players. Like like Darwin Nunez is is a, a big one. They they're almost always picking one of the other guys because the other guys play in the Champions League. I don't. Blame they're in the Champions. Yeah, they're in the Champions League. It's and now Cristiano Ronaldo wants to leave. Yeah. It's just you have, you have, you have repulsed a legend of the club. Well, here's good news. Sadio Mane is no longer at Liverpool, and they only got thirty-two million for him. That is good news, but Liverpool—it's a system team. So whoever steps up in his role, who's that guy they signed in January that our one of our friends really loves? Oh, is it Luis? What's his name? You know who I'm Luis, talking about? Luis Diaz. There you go. That guy's going to just take his spot and put up the same numbers. It's a system team. It's why Mo Salah doesn't impress me. He's a system player. Co- co- come to Man U and put up those numbers, and then we'll talk. Do be Christian Ronaldo and score 18 goals on that Man U team. Or just put up those numbers without penalties. <laughs> um, yes, Bayern Munich got Sadio Mane. I think that's a great transfer for them. Another great transfer for them that I am so butthurt at because it would have been a good transfer for Man U, and we just hired his fucking former coach. Is Ryan Gravenberg a young um, center mid? I think that's a great signing. They also got. I, I, was actually, I was actually shocked by that one. So was I. I because well, they, I, I couldn't believe they didn't let some other Bundesliga team buy him and then just post him three years down the road when he's a finished product. Yeah, on a free. Um, right back. They also got right back Musari Mazrui on a free from Ajax. Interesting thing about him, unluckiest man in the world in my opinion. Because he's a right back from Morocco, which would make him the instant starter if it weren't for Hakimi, which is that is tough luck for you. I have to I had to say unluckiest man in the world is this dude who I think's been struck by lightning four different times. But this guy's close second. Has he lived all four times? Because if so, that guy's the luckiest dude in the world. <laughs> you can you can kind of cut it up either way. And then on the buyer note, Chris Richards' uh, loan at Hoffenheim ended. So right now he's Participating in the preseason tour with Bayern, I'm sure he'll get loaned out. Yeah, my my take they've they've done a good job by him so far. Of uh, and, and I think every single year he's been loaned out. He's been back from preseason. They've you know observed him and made a decision on will he get playing time or does he need to, to get loaned out? And then they've loaned him out. So until they prove otherwise, I've got faith that they will keep doing right by him in that instance. But I have to say, like. If he doesn't get loaned out and doesn't doesn't like get playing time, that's really concerning for our center back prospects moving into the World Cup this year. Yeah, we, well, we won't have. We pr- probably that would mean the two guys I would have as our starting partnership wouldn't. Neither of which would get called up. Yeah, so concerning. That's that's a word for it. Uh, fucking a Borussia Dortmund wheeling and dealing. They get Sebastian Haller from Ajax. They get Kareem Adeyemi from Salzburg, who's everyone's saying, like, this is going to be, like, the next Holland guy come from Salzburg. He'll go to the Bundesliga for Dortmund. He'll be really, really good, and he'll go to a bigger club. Uh, they get Nieder, Nico Schloterbeck from Freiburg at center back, and boy, do they need to shore up that defense. But this is my favorite one. 
They Borussia Dortmund did it, Eric. It's not that they won <laughs> the Bundesliga. They did a Bayern. They, they did, did a Bayern. Bayern to Bayern. They signed center back Nicolas Sule on a free from Bayern, and that had to feel good for the like the the executives at Dortmund were like, "Yes, we fucking finally got one." <laughs> they were like vindication. They also wow. brought in a Sali Oscon and goalkeeper Marcel Lotka. So I mean, they brought in and, six got new guys, four of which will probably get into the lineup. And they're pulling a like Tottenham twenty eighteen move where they're getting a super injured player back, supposedly healthy to start the preseason, and Giorena, who had earned himself into the starting eleven when he was healthy last season. So that, in a way, that's you know having Gio healthy, who missed a way too much of of the campaign uh, last year, having him back, I think, is is, is an additive of sorts. Um, PSG signed um this pretty good midfielder from Porto, Patina. Patina. I think that's yeah. good. I think that's good area for. I mean, where, where from a personnel department, you can't really improve much if you're PSG. Uh, goalkeeper. Goalkeeper needs improvement. They have Taylor. They have uh, Net Navas. He's great. I know, but their backup's pretty shitty. <laughs> well played, sir. Uh, so Real Madrid. We mentioned Rudiger on a free, and I really think Real Madrid and Don Carlo are building the fastest backline ever because they're going to have uh, Fredlin Mendy. They're going to have Alaba and Rudiger as a, that's got to be the quickest center back partnership, and then they're going to have Carvajal. They're just going FIFA mode, just pure speed <laughs> in the back, which I love. But I think this is a huge signing, and I mean, this is one of the most, this is again a player I would have loved to sign, one of the most vaunted mid- young midfield players in the game right now, Orlean Chouameni from Monaco, and he's French, and he's fucking sick, and he's and basically I like Pogba 2.0. PSG were making a late push for him, but but Don Carlo was able to hold on after losing out uh, on Mbappe to that ungodly offer that we kind of went over last time we potted um it's going to be interesting they so stacked he that yeah that Aurelian kid is apparently he is, he's got it whatever it is he he could his ceiling is if Pogba played his best game consistently and that's oh, so you, so you mean his ceiling is Pogba Juventus? His Pogba France. Oh, it's also kind of fun to see what Real is lining up as like the next iteration of their aging midfield right now. Right, kind of they bring, they've been bringing in in a way like the the person to take the reins from an aging Modric, an aging Cruz. Casemiro's not as old as those two guys, but he's been around a couple of years now. Uh, also, when you play that like central defensive yeah. mid destroyer position, that is a grind physically. You're, yeah, you're, Casemiro's you're always playing had a lot more wear, wear and tear on them than, than some other uh, styles of play for sure. Not all mileage is equal. Um, Barcelona got Kessier and Christensen on freeze because they can't really buy people. Yeah. But the biggest saga right now is Lewandowski absolutely wants to leave Bayern Munich. There is nothing for him to prove there. Wants to go to Barcelona. But apparently, the concern is Barcelona's all offered like 50 million pounds in installments over five years. And Bayern's response, and 
if I could be a fly on the wall of this boardroom conversation, Byron's response is, we're concerned you may not exist in five years. Which to say that to such a, to a club like Barcelona is incredibly hilarious. Uh, what's his name? Like Lopetegui or whatever. The I think that's the chairman of Barcelona. He was asked about his reactions to those comments. And he's like, oh, you guys don't understand the context. It's a joke. We joke all the time. It just really feels like one of those things that, like, you're even rapid PR spin right now. Yeah. Oh, like, she she said my penis was small. It's a joke. We joke about it all the time. Oh, sorry, buddy. The Kessier ad is a very interesting one for me. I mean, for me personally, obviously, I, I, I feel like I even mentioned it on the podcast that there have been times this season where it felt like Kessier was shopping for houses in Barcelona uh, rather than focusing on, on his play, especially the first half of the season. Um, and that's all fine and good. He won a title. He's going to a new challenge. Cool, 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 whatever. I can't, I don't see, when I think of like a Barcelona style of play and a Barcelona type of player, Franck Kessier is one of the last people that I think of. And I'm going to be really interested to see, not necessarily how he incorporates into the team, but honestly, how do like the Barcelona faithful respond to Kessier two-thirds of the way into the season when he absolutely is unable to advance the ball forward uh, is unable to contribute to the building of the play. He's obviously going to deliver some much-needed strength and grit, uh, but it's just going to be... He, he feels like an, an anathema to their style of play to me. I'm very curious. Sure, and maybe it's that Xavi maybe sees it's time to adapt a little bit and that you know he does need that strength and that grit to compete because, you know... The other, mid, the other top midfields in La Liga have that strength and that grit element. We talked about it with Casemiro. Atletico Madrid's entire team that's is all strength that, that's all that. yeah. <laughs> They're just strength and grit. That's it. I, and and I, I, I absolutely agree. And like, even if that, I'm not even talking about like, does he incorporate into the team? I, I am really interested to see how the fans react to him in that style of play. And maybe he can shock me. And, and show that he's developed a more touch-based game. He just never really showed that at Milan, so I, I, I doubt it. And, and even if it works out in a success, I just even if Xavi like decides that a, a bit of an adjustment needs to be made, I don't see you know the Barcelona faithful, the diehards like agreeing with that that shift. It'll just, it'll, it's, it's something that I'm very fascinated to watch, and I'll be able to watch it without like sour grapes like I watched Donnarumma fuck up time and time again for uh, PSG. Especially in that Champion League tie that's around. so bad. Um, well, let's talk about Milan. Eric? Yeah, not too much activity to, to speak of. Uh Milan did sign on a free transfer, which is kind of like the post-COVID special, it seems. Divock Origi, uh, as a much-needed reinforcement to the striker line. Uh, which is geriatric in nature. It's geriatric, for sure. Uh, with Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who's going to be out for six to eight months rehabbing a serious knee injury. Uh, Olivier Giroud, who had a great season. But, you know, 37-year-old Giroud is not... 
going to be able to, to fulfill a season-long worth of minutes. And then our guys below him are unproven young transfers or promoted uh, Primavera squad members that just don't quite cut it. So uh, Origi is a very fascinating addition because he's really, since he's come to, you know, the international prominence has not been a, a starter. He's, he's been an impact sub, one of the most impactful subs, I think, of, of recent memory. Uh, but I don't even know if he's in the plans to be the starter from Milan. It may be Giroud starter, Origi sub in, and then Origi might spell him every couple of games. Uh, so it'll be fascinating to see how that, that plays out, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a technical, another transfer is Alessandro Florenzi, who spent last season on loan with Milan from Roma, and they just cut a deal to make it permanent. Florenzi, after spending a year in Milan, said he the only place he wanted to be, so Roma decided to, to make it official. Uh, and then there's a couple rumors. Milan have been circling Renato Sanchez for a while, but PSG have recently brought in, you know, some sporting director, quote-unquote, you know, the guy that pretending he's sporting director, well, Mbappe's actually sporting director, but this is the guy that signed Renato Sanchez to, to I think, Either to Lille or to uh, to Monaco or something. Plus, uh, they guess. have uh, they have his old coach at Lille too now. Yeah, so it sounds like Renato now wants to go to PSG, but Lille don't want to sell to PSG. I think because of interleague play, as well as we've offered a little bit more money than PSG, which is a ridiculous sentence to say out loud. So that that would be like a, a Kessier replacement. It'd be interesting if that comes through. And then there's this exciting young Belgian guy, Charles de Catalera. Uh, I butchered his name uh, that we're circling. And then there's rumors that we are exploring Hakim Ziyech on a like loan plus obligation to buy from Chelsea. Sounds like Ziyech wants Milan. Milan wants Ziyech. And now it's just figuring out if, if Milan and Chelsea can come to an agreement. We've had really good relations in the past, but it's a different ownership team. It's a different uh, kind of player team. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Um, moving to the Crosstown rivals, Inter have been very, very busy. I think Lukaku got Lukaku back on a loan, as we alluded to earlier. I think it was a good signing for them. Last time he played for Inter, he's been tearing it up. So, you know, they're trying to obviously – Getting uh, having the title stolen from you by your crosstown rival, you know they want to try to revamp up. They got a uh, Haquan Carrera from Lazio, Joaquin La- Correa, Joaquin yeah. Correa, excuse me, from Lazio. Uh, they got the uh, Ajax starting goalie Andre Onana on a free, and they got Henrik Mkhitaryan on a free. And, and the Onana uh, deal has been just has been known for like over a year and a half. This was the guy who tested positive for uh, performance-enhancing drugs and was suspended for, like, six months. Yes. Uh, and he had one of those claims of, like, he didn't know what somebody else was putting in his water bottles or something. Um, yeah, people put it in my water bottles all the time. I think, he, I think he claimed that he was, like, taking some kind of, like, uh, cold medicine or something and didn't know that it had a certain ingredient that was uh, th- that tested positive on the substance uh, tests or something. I, I don't remember what it was, but it was like, it really felt very like baseball investigation into steroid usage. Wasn't that that boxer uh, Canelo Alvarez, didn't he say like he got it from the beef he was eating in Mexico because they inject growth hormone in it? Dude, this I love excuses for why people didn't do steroids. And I'm pretty sure like the amount of beef you'd have to be consuming for that to like 
get enough into your system that you test positive is like that dude was eating like six meals of, of pure beef every single day for that to happen. No, he was eating a hamburger, but the, the buns were also beef. <laughs> um, so they're retooling up. Uh, Juventus also retooling. They got Pogba Pog back again. <laughs> Uh, and Di Maria on freeze, in addition to the fact that Chiesa will be back from um, injury yeah, at some point. Chiesa, I, so. I, I, I don't believe the expectation is for Chiesa to be 100% start of the season, but I think when we kind of round that moving into fall, uh, that, that, that you know October or so, I, I have a feeling he'll be pretty close, if not fully back. And Plus he'll have that, the, the World Cup break. As a yeah. and Italy won't be at the World Cup. It'll, so. it'll really be a, it'll really be a break for most of that team, yeah. and and that's actually a perfect time of the Juventus who historically start the seasons off shitty and then get catch their stride moving in like the close of the first half of the year. So it, I, I would be I would be shocked if Juventus are as far off the top as they were last year. Yeah. So I think that. Catches you up on silly season. Obviously, rumors are flying. Things are going to change each day, and uh, we'll keep you guys yeah. updated. If 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 my nightmare scenario happens and Pulisic ends up at Juventus, which is true, would honestly be worse than ending up at Inter, just because having to watch Pulisic and Weston, who are good friends, play for Juventus. If that happens, I will commit to doing an emergency pod then that night that it's announced. Can I, can I tell you the funniest nightmare yeah. scenario? Please. Because of where your birthday lies in the you transfer motherfuck. window, it, you would, motherfucker. it would be the funniest if it was announced on your birthday. <laughs> Objectively, that would be the fun. It'd be very if, painful for you. If that happens, I will have to I will need to go through your texts and your emails just to to confirm you haven't physically put that out into the world. I wish I had that kind of power too. I if I if I, if there was something <laughs> that was getting so worked up about something that has there a was, very low statistical. If, if there was something that would motivate you to manifest that power, it would be this. I can see it on your goddamn eyes right now. <laughs> I can't see my eyes; they're closed because I'm laughing. <laughs> okay, let's get on to the fucking onies. I hate award shows. The Onis, the tw- the third annual Onis, the 2022 Onis, because we skipped 2021. Oh, I'm excited. I love this episode. I have a confession. I thought, I honestly could have sworn we did 2021, but skipped 2020. <laughs> no, we did 2020, but skipped 2021. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Our first category. Our first category, and the most prestigious Oni we can give out. Hot guy of the year. Eric, who are our nominees? Our first nominee needs no introduction. He does play for Donnie's team's crosstown rivals mm. of Manchester City, Kevin De Bruyne. Mm. His all-time top goal-scoring season of his career, 19 in all comps, 15 in the prim, while still knocking 14 assists. And I think if we had taken the time to prep out hockey assists and a number of key passes, I think this guy's uh, numbers, he, he really does pass the eye test like nobody else does, I think. He 
I mean, he he is the engine that makes that Manchester City team run. Their style of play, it all starts and ends with him. He's, I've always said it, he's phenomenally talented. You just cannot deny his talent. And he is so consistent. He's he's honestly the guy your favorite goal scorer wishes was on his team. I don't mean like you, your favorite goal. I mean everybody's favorite goal scorer yes. wishes Sidney B was feeding them the ball. You want to be fed the ball by him. And speaking of a phenomenal goal scorer, our next nominee and the 2020 winner of Hot Guy of the Year, Robert. And the 2021 Ballon d'Or winner. Wait, what? <laughs> and the. And... <laughs> well, really, remember, they didn't have the award show in 2020, and he got fucked out of it in 2021. But um, Robert Lewandowski, who just finished a campaign where he had 50 goals in 46 games across all competitions, another 50 burger. And 35 league goals in 34 league games. The guy, the guy is a monster. He should have two Ballon d'Ors. It's a travesty of the game that he has zero and will probably have zero in his career. It, it really is absolutely wild. that he, he, I feel pretty confident he's going to end his career with no fucking Ballon d'Ors. And he should have had two. Which is just proof that those awards are absolutely bullshit and mean nothing and the Onis are such more prestigious because we have some semblance of credibility. Yeah, Robert Yeah, Robert Lewandowski has an Oni. Anyway, uh, moving and on. Maybe maybe he'll walk away with two. Maybe. We have uh, Sun Hong Min, who was the joint top goal scorer with Salah. However, in the Prem, no penalty goals, where Salah had several penalty goals, and he had 86 shots versus Salah's 139 shots, which is incredible that's, when you really think about all that. That is actually staggering. Like, that is that's a lot more shots that Salah had. And, like, you know, you I mean, you could make the argument, oh, that just means Salah was creating more dangerous opportunities. But the other argument is clearly that just means that, that Sonny is a much more clinical finisher. What was the what was the what was the goal tally? Was it like twenty two or something? I think they both had twenty three. Twenty three. Okay. Damn, he converted over a quarter of his shots on goal. That's wild in this sport. That's that's incredible. Yeah. Um. Next guy, we have Chiro Immobile, who does what he does, and he just scores goals in Serie A. Twenty seven league goals. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I think he lost a little luster just because Lazio didn't have as internationally relevant of a campaign this mm. year. They kind of, they had a really slow start and even when they did pick things up, they were never able to put themselves like in a real push for top four. Um, you know, it's just, and honestly, I fucking hate Lazio. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about this other guy from Syria? Yeah. Now, another one who really, I think, uh, off the radar of a lot of people who, who aren't in the weeds of, of all these different leagues, especially the ones that aren't the Premier League, but uh, Sassuolo's Domenico Berardi put up not just 15 league goals, but also 14 league assists, which is an astonishing number of just total goals contributions. Uh, yeah. Really, really dynamic right winger. I mean, definitely deserves a nomination. It, it'll be it'll be surprising if if the Onis 
academy give enough clout to uh, a minnow like Sassuolo, but it's just, you know, I think he's done well to, to get up on the stage. Yeah. And our final nominee is Vinicius Jr., who I don't know which of how I want to approach the stat, but this is the one I want to say. In 48 games in the La Liga, in the La Liga, I just said the La Liga, in La Liga and the Champions League, 48 games, 21 goals, 20 assists, 2020, in the most prestigious competitions he could play in. The only other person I can think of recently who put up 20 plus goals and 20 plus assists in a season in those two competitions is Leo Messi. Yeah, I mean, that's. I it's, mean, it, it, especially it, if you compare his numbers from last year to this year, just this guy was incredible, sealed by that moment in the Champions League final score and the winning goal. I was going to say, the stats definitely tell a story, but for me, it's the image of him nut- pulling the incredible nutmeg against. Was it Man It was against. It was Fernandinho of Man City. Yeah, it was the dummy, yeah. the dummy nutmeg. Dude, the, the just that that image. Well, it was the dummy nutmeg with the amazing turn. Because I feel like normally to, to pull that off, you have to dummy that nutmeg to a teammate. But he fucking I don't even. It's like he has like four legs or something. I don't know how he did it. That image, right there, I knew he was going to be a hot guy of the year candidate. He Absolutely. was. That, that might have been the hot moment of the year, honestly. If we had a hot moment of the year, which we should next year. Yeah, you know what? Let's he's, he 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 wins the hot moment of the year right now. Uh, we have just get it in from the academy. They have voted. <laughs> breaking news. Break, breaking news. It is Vinicius Junior. Hot moment of the year. The nutmeg banishment. <laughs> Fernandinho to the shadow Fernandinho. Um, but. You have your nominees for hot guy of the year now. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, we're getting some. We're getting some some chatter on the line. We've got some irate uh, uh, scousers who are screaming that the there has to be a, some kind of mistake that we've left off somebody. Donnie, can you please add a little extra color there? Sure. Um, there's some complaints about us leaving off Mo Salah. However, several things have come to light recently that work against him for this hot guy of the year category. There has been a uh, viral photo that has gone around of Mo Salah that says, if you cover his hair with your finger, he looks just like Kareem Benzema. And so I did cover his hair with my finger. And holy shit, he looks just like Kareem Benzema. And that... The people will note that Benzema, who one would say and another would argue had the best season of anybody this year, not eligible for hot guy of the year because he is not an attractive guy. He is not attractive, but he was undisputedly, <laughs> by most, the best player in Europe this season. So that worked against Mo Salah, and that, that's something that really broke in the last week. Another thing that worked against Mo Salah is that Sun was not included in Team of the Year but Mo Salah was, and that was just bullshit. Even though the two of them had the exact same number of goals and Sonny had zero penalties, whereas Mo Salah had five, six, seven penalties. And he had 60 less shots. Yeah, I mean, so in solidarity for Sonny, uh, who got screwed out of the team of the year, Mo, Mo Salah is not, not 
a worthy candidate for Hawkeye of the Year. So yes. suck it, Liverpool fans. Yeah. All right. Boy, Liverpool fans would be really pissed when we get another category too. I love, I love the Odies. I'm back in, boys. <laughs> the Academy's voted, and the award for your 2022 Hot Guy of the Year is Robert Lewandowski, back-to-back Hot Guy of the Year winner. Historic, I, I, unprecedented. Eventually, eventually, his team will get back to us about a mailing address. And he's just going to receive a deluge of, of Oni trophies. And I can't wait for that to happen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what can you say about Lewandowski? Have you seen the dude shirtless? What a fucking body this guy has. He's tall, good looking, and God, does he just play phenomenally well. Now, Donnie, before we move on to the, the next category, I would like us to take a brief moment to look back on the hot guys we lost this year in memoriam. Jack Grelish, dead. All right, on to fullbacks of the year. This is my personal favorite Oni category uh, as a representative of the union. And our nominees, Eric, I'll let you start with the first one. Out of the red city of Milan, Teo Hernandez made massive, massive strides in his defensive game this year. Uh, kind of had a real breakout last season with Milan as this goal-scoring and assisting, marauding fullback, but was really, really suspect in defense. Worked with Maldini, worked with Pioli over the offseason, and, and really stepped up his game, was a... Uh, not um, not yet a defensive stalwart, but held his own, recovered well, bailed out his teammates, and still, you know, I think had the highest uh, who scored average rating this season, while also was the second leader in Milan assists. I mean, just kid played his ass off all around. And in April, he and his partner welcomed their baby. And I just think sometimes when you dad become strength. a dad, you get that dad strength. Yep. So, uh, yeah, good for him. Yeah, he, I've loved, I have loved Teo Hernandez for a very long time. He, he also did uh, deliver on the Serie A goal of the season, which was a box-to-box weaving solo run where he ripped off a goal to the lower corner. Um, so that's exciting, too. Yeah, it was fucking nasty. Um, our next nominee is Trent Alexander-Arnold from Liverpool. Not a lot needs to be said here. I mean, he's one of the best fullbacks in the world, a little sus defensively, but second most assists in the Prem. He's top five in chances created in the Prem. Yep. I, mean, um, I think there's there's two things to always look for in, in, in when judging TAA. Uh, three things. One is you got to watch out for all the English press slobbing on his knob uncontrollably. Uh, uncontrollably two, slobbing on the knob. Two, you got to check for is he actually checking over his shoulder defensively or is he letting Real Madrid just run free behind his back to score the winning goal in the Champions League? And three, you got to check to see is he cutting down the turnovers, um, which I think he did a good job of this year. Didn't have nearly as many turnovers as he's had in like, uh, I think two years ago. It was a real, real problem. Uh, so th- those are the three things you always got to watch out for with the TAA. And I'm not, I'm not saying he's not going to win this, but those are things that the uh, the academy has pointed out to us directly. Num- and number four, Sir Alex Ferguson definitely smashed his grandma like back in the 60s. 
Why that's relevant to his play, I don't know, but I just thought that people should know that. Yes, because that definitely has never been mentioned by you on this podcast before. And our final... No, I'm sorry, our third nominee, excuse me. <laughs> but maybe our final, we'll get into that in a minute. Is uh, Antony Jedi Robinson. You know, we always give some love to the championship on this podcast. He was in the championship team of the year. He was the highest rated championship fullback. And he was a critical piece of qualifying for the U.S. men's national team. He was top three in appearances made during World Cup qualifying and top three in goal contributions, and he's a left back. He's American left back. Did I hear you you say he was the top-rated fullback in the team of the year for the championship? Yes. Which that makes him the championship fullback of the year. Correct. I mean, that's just how language works, right? Like, that's... Language, mathematics, statistics. That's absolutely incredible. Science. And I know how I excited I am I can only imagine how excited you are to watch him in the Premier League this year I can't wait uh to watch Fulham in the Premier League and really it's going to be exciting to watch him go against Tyler Adams and Brendan Aronson and a little yank on yank action nothing wrong with that mm. this is God, love love some yanks on yanks on yanks on yanks with some yanks watching <laughs> and some other yanks yelling it's great I'll be yanking <laughs> <laughs> um and he also he and his uh fiance welcomed a baby girl in December dad strength dad strength so I love that. Also, when he scores and he does the acrobatic fucking flips, which just shows you the guy is just... He's one of those guys where, you know, he's just... He's an athlete. He's fucking athletic as shit. Um, we, like, we always talk about there's those guys who you obviously can tell if they didn't play soccer would be fat. He's the opposite of that. Yes. He would be super athletic and fit no matter what he did. For sure. Uh, and our final nominee for fullback of the year is Joshua Kimmich. <laughs> Who was the third highest rated player in the Bundesliga, regardless of position, behind only Lewandowski and uh, Christopher Nkunku? I think it's critical that you mention regardless of position, because I have to ask, and I've lodged an official inquiry with the academy, is Kimmich actually eligible, eligible for fullback of the year? I understand our ruling on once a fullback, always a fullback, everywhere a fullback, but... To be fullback of this year, I feel like there has to be a qualifying number of appearances or minutes as a fullback to be eligible for the fullback of this year. And there's no way Kimmich meets that definition, mostly because I'm going to raise the bar to one minute higher than whatever number he actually uh, put in. That is a very, very valid point. But I think that the... There's no greater thing a fullback can do than be so good that he has to get the ball more and play in midfield. I mean, that is that is truly that is like, you know, Vikings believe when they die they will go to Valhalla. When a fullback achieves true greatness, he becomes a midfielder. Oh my god, you are so insufferable. So by this by this assertion. Um, Philip Lom is unequivocally a greater fullback than Paolo Maldini was because Paolo Maldini never never um, transitioned into the midfield. Paolo Maldini is a greater defender than Philip Lom was. But, was. but you're saying Philip Lom's a greater fullback than Paolo Maldini? Because I will in I will I will burn this podcast to the ground right now if that's the route you want to take. <laughs> what are you going to do? Just burn down your house? The podcast is. But, no. 
Paolo Maldini is a greater fullback than Philip Long because okay. he didn't let me finish. Okay. There's only one honor higher than being a fullback who is so good that he gets promoted to central midfield. And only Maldini has ever achieved this in that he's a fullback so good that they thought about putting him in midfield, but they realized he's such a good fullback, he can play across any back four position. It's the Maldini nice. role. It's actually nice the Maldini save. exception. Nice save. And nice it's the save. exception that proves the rule. I'm still lodging an official complaint with uh, with the academy that Kimmich is on this list. And disclaimer, we've both been very high on Kimmich's skill and ability for many, many years. And his looks. And his looks. But there is no way in hell Kimmich played enough impact as a fullback to win fucking fullback of the year. And the fact that I am arguing this to the... The organizer of the fullback union is just blowing my mind right now. Uh, I'm the chairman of the fullback union. Please refer to me as my official title. Oh, God. Would you like to announce the winner? And the winner of... I'm just opening up the envelope right here. Uh, I've been really working on, on some physical props for the uh, the podcast. <laughs> the, the winner of the 2022 fullback of the year, Oni, goes to... AC Milan and Francis Teo Hernandez. Just AC Milan's. <laughs> um, I love Teo Hernandez. This was this was well deserved winner. Um, and it's about really about, and maybe Trent Alexander Arnold, if he ever wants to win one of these, he should take note of Teo Hernandez. It's about rounding out your game as a fullback. It's about adding that defensive solidity to your offensive prowess, and that's what he did so remarkably well this year, being a critical. Critical player to Milan getting that 19th Serie A championship. I'm very excited for these let's, next two categories. Let's run it. We're about to hit Donnie's favorite categories, and they're, they're really a twofer. Uh, I'm going to step aside and let you cook a little bit on this one. All right. So, this is a first award for this category. It's the only for the best bald manager of the year. And it's stemmed because of all the bald manager power rankings I've been doing throughout the year. Our nominees for best bald manager of the year. Number one should be no surprise, Stefano Pioli, who brought Milan back from the depth of Tartarus to the pinnacle of Syria. Phenomenal manager. I really, when Manu and Milan played in Europa League, in the Europa League, um, was that last season? That was two seasons ago. Two seasons ago. I really, like, was impressed by him. And I think that's when I really was convinced that he was a stellar manager. I remember us talking about that uh, offline. Sure. Great manager. Well-deserved nominee of this award. I'll, I'll, I'll read this next uh, nominee for you. Thank you. Pep Guardiola, according to the Academy, they say he did technically win another Premier League title. And that counts for something. Sure. In some circles. Uh, our next nominee is Sean Dyke, who disassociated with Burnley, who then immediately, pretty much in the next couple of months, got relegated. That's a big win for him. I'm not going to lie. I was a little worried for our boy um, after they fired him and immediately went on like a three-game win streak. 
And I was like, oh my God, have we been wrong about Dyke all this time? And then they, um, they um, right after that, hit a fucking wall and collapsed. And Burnley, who Dyke always kept above, always kept fighting, way out punching their weight, is gone. And honestly, I don't know when we'll see them again. Yeah. But I bet you, I bet you we see Sean Dyke in the Premier League before we see Burnley. Oh, 1,000%. I agree. I think he'll be him, Poach will be two of the first guys hired in, like, November when the first series of sackings begin. I think it depends on the, like, the, yeah. I think it depends on, on what kind of team has has that first opening. There's yes. uh, there's very uniquely Poch teams and Dyche teams, and I don't think there's that much overlap on the Venn diagram there. Agreed. Although I would love to see a team that had that kind of fusion. Yeah, we should actually discuss that offline. And, and then talk about kind it. of actually be, I think, a Premier League version of an Atletico Madrid. I think that's what Conte's turning Tottenham into. Yeah. Um, back to the best ball manager of the year. Our next nominee is Zidane, <laughs> for obvious reasons. Is, is there a more vaunted manager this year? Was there a more probably sought-after manager than Zidane? We all know he's holding out for one job. It's Didier Deschamps' job as the head of France. But in all seriousness, everyone who had an opening at some point in the last 12 months, if you get if they had their wish list, best case scenario, Zidane was number one on all of them. I even saw some rumors that PSG made an offer to Zidane and even said, we are happy for you to, like, to share responsibilities if the France job opens up. Oh my god. That would have been... But I think he solely wants France. Dude, the dude... Nobody loves being French more than Zinedine Zidane. He headbutted a dude. That's how he ended his career. He headbutted a dude. In, in like, stoppage time of the World Cup final, of his final competitive game. He already got his World Cup. He didn't give a fuck. Dude, that is... I... That's how I know that what Marco Materazzi said was true. Yeah. That's how you know what he said was true. Yep. Um, but yeah, Zidane, I mean, dude, (laughs) when's the last time he, what was his last, his last managed, uh, game? It was was over, it was outside the span, the purview of these Onis, and that's how good of a manager Zidane is, that he's in, he's a nominee for the 2022 Bald Manager of the Year. And that's how bald he is. He's been I bald also for a think, very long time. I also do think that's true that bald head uh, got great contact on Matarazzi's chest. I also think this shows Donnie's relationship with bald managers that, like, this is how strongly he's grasping for a guy who's been out the game for a full year plus. I'm just saying, if we're talking 22, he was the most sought after you, manager in the year you, 2020. You, you, you would go bald if that got Zidane to Man United. I would scald my head so the hair could never grow back. <laughs> I couldn't even do fucking hair transplants. I would scald it, burn it. Um, Mbappe is now on the list. <laughs> He's kind of like the god of PSG now. <laughs> He's actually more powerful than their manager. <laughs> I don't really understand the limit of his power. And it kind of, it, quite frankly, it terrifies me. I don't think it exists. No, it does not. So, out of an abundance of fear, the Academy put him on the list. Honestly, because that's I probably... Because I feel like st- he could probably wage war on a small country 
and PSG would just fund the war. So I don't want him to wage war on us. I don't even think it need to be that small of a country. He could take on like a mid-sized country. Yeah. He could yeah. probably take on Italy. Uh, probably. For sure. But Italy's not really uh, present in the uh, continental uh, battles right now. True, true. Um, okay. You want to read this one off? Or is it, my, or is it me? Alright. Best bald manager of the year goes to Stefano Pioli for his work at AC Milan over the last few years building up to this pinnacle achievement. Fantastic manager and well-deserving of the inaugural bald manager of the year award. I mean, you've, you've been on this story for over a year now on just talking about what a job Pioli has done. Obviously, I've been able to reap the benefits of, as a fan of Milan. Uh, there were a lot of doubts around him. He was appointed. And there, lot, there were never any doubts that he was bald. Correct. But his, bald, his baldness was always a strength, and his assist, one of his assistant managers is equally as bald and almost and looks, it looks eerily like Pioli. That is my favorite part. It's when they show him and the bald manager, and it reminds me of that old meme where it was like, never talk to me or my son ever again. <laughs> I love that. He's, I wish... I wish that we have a bald manager who makes his entire coaching staff be bald. <laughs> kind of like how Mancini makes his entire Italy coaching staff wear all the same suits. It's like that, but everybody has to be bald. No, <laughs> yeah, like, Ma- Mancini's coaching staff is all incredibly metrosexual. <laughs> okay, <sighs> now another inaugural award goes to the worst bald manager of the year. We have three nominees. The first nominee is Pep Guardiola. <laughs> now, you may be confused as to how he could be nominated for best ball manager of the year and worst ball manager of the year. And it's because one thing remains – there are two things that are true about – there are three things that are true about Pep, actually. Number one, he's bald. Yes. <laughs> Number two, he has never won the Champions League without Messi. And every year that happens, I think, should be pointed out. Number three <laughs> – he has never come to a club and won a trophy they haven't won in the previous three years before his arrival. And number four, I am reading in the Academy Oni bylaws that technicalities are really the only thing that matter. True. Um, our second nominee is Eric Ten Hag, who could have been a nominee for best manager of the year, best ball manager of the year. He made a critical mistake by joining Manchester United. He compounded that mistake today when he said, not that it's not that he said that Maguire would remain United captain. It said that Maguire has been very, very successful with England. I, I will say this um, because we have some behind-the-scenes access into the Onis. He, he was a late addition as a qualifier into this category. Um, he was he was up for discussion before this, and then with those comments about the success of Harry Maguire as as a United captain. Uh, he definitely backdoored himself into uh, contention for this award. Harry Maguire couldn't even successfully bribe a Greek police officer. <laughs> the only thing Maguire has successfully done as captain is get relegated. The only other thing he's successfully done as captain is create a gooby highlight reel of own goals 
pathetic touches and taking or, out his own players. Yeah, I would say headbutting his own players. I'm pretty sure he his headbutt into Pogba is the whole reason Pogba was like, fuck this, I'm back to Juventus. I'm pretty sure we lost Luke Shaw for two months because of Harry Maguire. The third nominee, Eric, I'll let you get say this one. I'm going to give you the description, and I think everybody's going to be able to, to figure out who we're talking about. Tactically inept and only got the job because their brother is, the, is an executive at this organization. Uh, who is Greg Berhalter? Greg. Greg Berhalter. I mean, he's got an incredible repertoire of bounce passes and 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 sneaks. Don't forget about his travel mugs or his ability to jog in in uh, crowded cities in the middle of pandemic protocols. But not, no, no, no. We're not gonna, to mention we're, his stringent stance against consensual we're gonna, sex. We're going to send players home for having consensual sex in, in hotel rooms. And I have no source on this. But I'm almost positive that Brooks has been ostracized from the team because he probably hooked up with Berhalter's wife or something. That, that, that has to be it. Also, Berhalter uh, is actually very insecure that Brooks is bald but pulls off bald way better than Berhalter ever could. That's true. Brooks used his bald head to score a World Cup goal. That's a fact. That's actually just a fact. Yeah. Um, all right, Eric. To you. Donnie, I... I I have to pass this envelope over to you. This is your award, my friend. Thank you. Um, it's actually not in an envelope because the the uh, award announcement is bald, <laughs> which would be appropriate here. The 2022 Oni for worst bald man of the year goes to, wow, an Oni first, a unanimous decision, Greg Berhalter. Greg, if you want to come on the podcast... We'd be happy to treat you with respect and the utmost difference. But I can't imagine you'd ever want to subject yourself to us. Just like we never want to subject ourselves to your play style or tactics. True. Well said. Well said. Okay. Our next Oni. This is a fan favorite. This is also this might be this might be the largest category. There's so many. This, this is easily the largest category. It might be double the size of this next of the second largest category. Donnie, let's talk about cuck of the year. I'll let, I'll let you read the first nominee. That's probably fair. <laughs> Our first nominee for cuck of the year is none other than Donnie Maz, arrogantly guaranteeing on this podcast that one of PSG, City, or Bayern would win the UCL. None of them making it to the final, only one even getting to the semis. Plus, in a soccer-specific group text, Donnie making a series of guarantees and backing them up with $100 bets that, he's, that he lost successively to our friend Addison. I'd, I'd like to add two things to this part as well. Please. Please. Haven't Liverpool made like three of the last five Champions League finals? Like, just the fact that I didn't even think to add them—that's a tough look for me. Truthfully, that just that really shows how the uh, how strong the bias is. Uh, I just feel like I probably even without being so, and I was I arrogant, and I really thought, and I was so wrong. But even if we put that aside, I think just my existence as a Manchester United fan would also probably be in and of itself worthy of being in this category. Um, 
I have no defense for myself. I apologize to my family for bringing them yet more shame. Speaking of having no defense for oneself, please read us the next the next uh, nominee. Okay. This we had to reach back to the 2021 own goal uh, Oni's jurisdiction, but it was last year before the Euro, the 2020 Euro, which was in 2021. <laughs> When Gates texted me and said that, quote, I don't know, Kyle Walker is getting old and kind of slow, isn't he? Right before the Euro started. Only for Kyle Walker to be the in the, the season that had just ended a week before Erickson that text, the clock to the fastest player in the Premier League. And by kind of old, he had just turned 30. I and really thought... he had dark multiple times <laughs> commenting during the Euros how fast Kyle Walker is. And if you just watch now, Kyle Walker is still very, very fast. I have several things to admit to here. One, I definitely thought he was 33 and not 30. Two, the season had ended a full week prior, so maybe he slowed down between then and then. Three... If I can get by without it, I don't watch Manchester City. That's fair. That's fair. Um, our next nominee is Liverpool. Because all season, Liverpool and the media, which lives in their pocket, was all about the quad, quad, quad. Only to end with two domestic cups and zero goals scored in three cup finals. I mean... Hey Liverpool, we're, we're nominating you guys. See, we don't, we don't, we don't just have it out for your team fans. Yeah, we, we share the love on this podcast. I mean, it's just they had a very, very impressive year that resulted in one irrelevant trophy, one trophy that used to be relevant thirty years ago, and almost winning two actually relevant trophies. Well said, my friend. Do you want to read our next nominee, or do you want me to? PSG is nominated because they've been cupped by Mbappe. And there's a couple of different ways to interpret this one. Mbappe is making generational wealth uh, while being the the judge, jury, and executioner. Yes, he's Judge Dread. Mbappe is Judge Dread. If if you go back, if you if you rewind these tapes back to some of the early podcasts that we've done, I talked about the the concept that Neymar was always trying to like like execute and decapitate the next biggest star at PSG. It was often Cavani who was constantly trying to avoid Neymar's uh, execution style, and Mbappe has eclipsed him. Um, I think you could also argue that simultaneously Real Madrid have been cuffed by Mbappe in this one fell swoop as well, and 100% Poach got cuffed by Mbappe because he for sure is the one who made the call that Poach has done, and we're bringing in uh, Guy there. Yeah. It, Mbappe just somehow became God. He, he, he cuffed three... Two massive clubs and one um, manager presence who's been internationally relevant for the last half a decade in one fell swoop while making an ungodly sum of money for himself. Yeah, why don't you do the uh, the next one too? 
<laughs> talking about uh, lar- some of the largest clubs in the world, Barcelona uh, have become a nominee for Cuck of the Year solely from one incredible, incredible uh, transfer negotiation with, uh, with, with the uh, Bayern Munich CEO. Will they be – will they even exist in five years? That is – And really, stuck. Barcelona have also been cucked by the concept of fiscal accounting. <laughs> How how are they signing Christensen, Kessier, lodging fifty million dollar bids for uh, Lewandowski, and not paying their yet, own players, and yet, and yet they they owe um, like Busquets, they owe De Jong. is it yeah, uh, De Jong, they owe I think Gavi or somebody like like combined total fifty million dollars. I I. I Either they have the worst or the best accountants in the world. <laughs> I don't think it's the best. Our next nominee for Cuck of the Year, and this is the most, this is to me is a very sad, this is a sad, this isn't funny, this is sad, is our, also our uh, back-to-back Hawkeye of the Year, Robert Lewandowski, who was cucked not once, but twice by the, by the Ballon d'Or committee. First, he was cucked in two years ago's Ballon d'Or Awards, which were canceled, even though soccer was played, in which we protested by canceling our own awards. Which doesn't make any sense when you really think about it. But that's besides the point. Then, this year, when he was, to me, one of three guys who should have won it. And it went to not one of the three guys, in my opinion, who should have won it. And I thought he was probably the guy who just about should have won it. Instead of giving him the Ballon d'Or... They, the, the corrupt and disgusting Ballon d'Or committee, they're made up of French people, they create a bullshit striker award, give that to Lewandowski, which is like, basically like giving someone a high five after you fucked his old lady, and then they give Messi the Ballon d'Or. That was the most disrespectful thing I have ever witnessed. So this was such a shame that I – and I, I never really give a fuck about awards. I completely blocked that award out of, of my memory and honestly fused the two together and thought this was the same season that they just canceled the Ballon d'Or. And it's even worse when you think about the fact that he's actually been stripped of it twice. Once because they just canceled it. And you know what? I get it. I get it. I know he's not German, but he plays for a German team. And the French have some problematic histories with the Germans. There's some Polish involvement there, too. I I get it. But also, the fuck. Yeah, what the fuck? Although... It does give me a little bit of enjoyment that Preston doesn't get to celebrate a Lewandowski Ballon d'Or. <laughs> As you know, what that is the only silver lining of this whole situation. I think that makes it a bitter pill that helps us all swallow it. Exactly. Yeah, it's a little bit of sugar to help the medicine go down. All right, Eric. Our final nominee. Our final nominee goes out to the former Milan man, the present entered Milan boy. Hakan Kalanoglu. Let me just give you a quick summary. Kalanoglu joined Milan several years ago uh, from the Bundesliga, from Leverkusen. 
and had some ups and some downs. There were some years where he was one of the best attacking players. There were some years where he was one of the most frustrated attacking players. But the kind of rule was when Milan was was producing on offense, Kalinogu was an important part of that and, and one of the sole reasons that they were doing so. He finished his second to enter Milan with Milan a year ago and decides I am, instead of renewing with Milan, going to go have a really good Euro and then get a raise or move to a different team for a raise. Well, Turkey fail out of the Euros after three games in the group stage. And if it weren't for a really unfortunate set of circumstances, Hakan would have had nowhere to go. But unfortunately, Christian Eriksen had the cardiac arrest was not able to return to the Syria uh, and a spot as attacking midfielder, offensive generator opened up in Inter. And Kalinoglu leaves Milan for its cross-town rival, Inter. He has a couple really good games to start the season, and a reporter asks him, you know, what's, what's some of the reasoning for the strong start to the year? Not even bringing up on, and his answer is, when you play with uh, with players of this caliber for a change, it's really easy to to perform well and produce. And he used to be really close with Rafael Leal, with Davide Calabria, with a couple of the young core guys from Milan, and they all took this personally. As they should. Fast forward a year after finishing second with Milan to Inter, Hakan finishes second with Inter to Milan. Um, it's the rare instance of Hakan cucked himself. And the ice and the cake is uh, during the Milan uh, championship parade through the city that Hakan was also in, but not a part of either year. Uh, uh, Zlatan asked, uh, with, a, with a megaphone, asked the, the surging crowd, thousands in Milan, you know, do, what's the message we have for Hakan Shalinoglu? And their response was paraphrasing, like, fuck that bitch. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you had well his, old, his old friends Leao and Calabria dying laughing while it was going on. Eric, please announce the and winner of the 2022 Cuck of the Year. The 2022 Cuck of the Year is in a Maybe the most hotly contested category uh, of these Onis, Hakan Chalunoglu. Yeah. He was a cuck at Milan when he finished second. He was a cuck with Turkey by crashing out of the Euros in a horrible group stage display. He was cucked by Milan with Inter. The guy just is a cuck. He, it's not even like he was cucked by Milan. He literally, because of that movement, he cucked himself. Cucked himself. Now, uh, our 2022 Oni for weirdest story of the year. You know, we always like on this podcast the weird soccer stories. Interesting that this first one didn't make the cuck of the year nominations. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that, I don't know what the Academy was thinking on that one, but oh well. The first weird story of the year, which one we talked about a couple episodes ago, was um, Jao Felix getting cucked. By his Portuguese countryman Pedro Poro. We literally put this immediately after the cook. No, we didn't do that. The Academy did that. The Oni Academy, very prestigious group of um, Oni fans and journalists who um, decide these things. We had nothing to do with this, but 
It's weird because she went left Jao Felix, who's like 5'9", for Pedro Poro, who's 5'6". So whoever she is, she wants the shortest king possible. <laughs> That's the part of the story that's strange to me. She just kept going shorter. <laughs> who's next? And Portuguese Ruff, Guerrero! Ruff, Guerrero's Ruff, next. Guerrero. Yeah, Guerrero's going to be next in line. <laughs> she is incredibly attractive, so good for all of them. Um, the next nominee, Eric. This one's not a laughing matter. We broke this news with somber tones um, a few weeks back. Uh, PK, shocking development as a contender for all-time scumbag. Uh, Those of you who may have missed that update or weren't on social media, um, he has stepped out and ruined the relationship with beloved global icon Shakira. I love Shakira. I love Shakira. This is a very, very pro Shakira. Pro Shakira, yes. Um, honestly, when I think of just the World Cup in general, one of the immediate first like audio thoughts I have in my head is Waka Waka. Mm. Mm. They were soccer's dream couple. And not only did has has he kind of ruined that relationship, there are reports that he's like living in these like flats above these clubs and going out with like the 17 18 year old young guys at barcelona he's like that old 36 year old man who's like with the guys that are literally half his age it's just i don't know man pk has become that when the boys take a trip to vegas pk is the guy who's been married the longest obsessively keeps bringing up strip clubs he's johnny drama of the group yep and that's that's not, that's not who you want. <laughs> the next weirdest story of the year was when Cristiano Ronaldo almost joined Manchester City. That was fucking weird. Objectively, that, almost, that, that was weird. That almost broke you. Yeah, dude. <laughs> that almost, I think that would have actually, like, that would have might have killed the podcast. Because I would have been so broken that I could no longer talk about soccer in a way that's fun and jovial and what we like to do here. I think if that had happened, I would have just been like, fuck it. I'm yeah, done. just let, let. I'm gonna crawl in a hole and just watch Fulham until I die. <laughs> the um, next one. Yeah, uh, this one was back from September, so I think at the very early cutoff of of what was eligible, there is that story. And there are some caveats here, but just on the headlines alone, former Brazilian international Hulk impregnated his niece. It is important to note... Niece by marriage. Still very fucked up and weird. Still ill. Still like, dude, what the fuck? And still incredibly worthy of weirdest story of the year. Yes. Okay. You hear your nominees. The selection is in. The 2022 Oni for weirdest story of the year is PK cheating on and ruining his marriage with Shakira and destroying their family because it was just it shocked it truly shocked me that a woman with the talent beauty charisma charm intelligence success I mean any positive attribute you could possibly think of Shakira has it in abundance so how a man could treat a woman like that so poorly and then also ruin the family he made with that woman in the process is 
fucking weird. And it's even fucking weirder that he's hanging out with 18-year-olds who are literally half his age. Yeah. And it's sh- it's even more shameful for me that he spent some time with Manchester United. I'm disgusted by it. We're all a little tarnished by this act. Okay, moving on to something a little more positive. Yeah, uh, this is, I believe, the second year uh, that we've done the Space Jam Award. Uh, Quick reminder for everybody, this is, anybody who isn't familiar with Space Jam, uh, the Monstars sap powers from NBA All-Stars minus Michael Jordan and give those powers to themselves to become better at sport of basketball and when we say space jam award we are explicitly talking about the 1995 movie starring bugs bunny and michael jordan uh we do not associate in any way with the atrocity that was space jam 2 or lebron james for that matter absolutely we 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 are specifically talking about uh michael jordan bugs bunny newman from seinfeld you know the, the whole shebang yep our first nominee uh, and the quick reminder, the first name mentioned is the person who had their powers zapped, and the second name mentioned is the person who benefited from gaining their powers. And our, our first nominee is Messi's powers zapped and transferred to Vinicius Jr. Now you might say, whoa, 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 Messi still had a really good year and all this stuff. You know, and for an average player, Messi did just fine. But he took a long time to adapt to uh, the Uber Eats League, uh, which is the sixth best league in uh, in the global league rankings. It's not that impressive. And he just honestly didn't deliver what we're used to seeing from Messi. But we did have somebody have a 20-20 and 20, uh, La Liga and UCL goals and assists. Uh, messy at messiest campaign with some clutch clutch performances in Vinicius Jr. Yeah. Yeah. Our uh, next nominee for who has lost their powers was Luke Shaw. He had a phenomenal 2020-2021 season where he um, also was a star for England's run to the Euro final and in fact scored in the second minute of said final. Just had an incredible year a couple seasons ago and it was followed up with nothing but disappointment this year as he was inconsistent in his play which was rare when he played as it was plagued with injuries but as one falls another rises hail hydra (laughs) jedi anthony robinson himself had the best season of his career where he was the best left back of the championship the championship fullback of the year and cemented himself as the starting left back for his country and one of the first names on the team sheet. Eric, the next category? Honestly, Donnie, I think you need to take the next one, and I'll, I'll wrap up the last one. This is uh, Harry Maguire. As, as, to quote you, as one falls, another rises. Please take us away, Donald. This is Harry Maguire stealing the powers of Harry Maguire. <laughs> um, he was not very good a couple uh, seasons ago, and he followed that up with taking his own soccer talent and somehow becoming worse this season. I just... His existence continues to befuddle me, and his style of play shocks the conscience. And our final nominee for Space Jam Award is Lukaku to Nkuku. Lukaku lit Syria on fire two seasons ago uh, with Inter helping Conte deliver a, a long-awaited title to Inter Milan. He had a, a much, 
uh, kind of thought about move return to Chelsea. Uh, you know, the place that he said was always his home, where he always wanted to be. And then fast forward three months in Chelsea, and he's talking about how he will for sure return to Inter. Uh, he loves that city so much; it's where he definitely wants to be. And uh, he was just never able to really get going and fire off in Tuchel's system. More on that in a little bit. Uh, but he did not retain his abilities. And we meanwhile saw Christopher and Cuckoo destroy the Bundesliga in an incredible, incredible season. Yeah. Eric, who is the winner of the, I guess the winners of the... the well, it's a loser-winner kind of combo here. Yeah, of the Space The Jam loser Award. of the Space Jam Award is Messi, and the winner was Vinicius Jr., who uh, stole his powers. And once again, we talked about uh, Vinicius. This is, this is a two-time winner of the Onis now. After taking away hot moment of the year, he also gets Space Jam of the Year award. So he's had, and I mean, those are arguably more prestigious than his Champions League win and any domestic honors that he achieved. Um, okay, our final own goal category or only category. We should have an only for own goal of the year next year. Oh, we really should. Honestly, that's so that's tough. on us. That's on us for not having that so far. Yeah, I won't blame the academy for that one. I'll take the L there. Most outstanding drama. Our first category is a segment on this podcast: Tuchel v. Gates. Uh, Gates has been very vocal about his uh, his what's the right word here? His I think disdain. Disdain for uh, Tommy Tuchel. Tuchel has responded by winning the Champions League. <laughs> Um, and early on, things did not look good for Gates in that um, that drama. But given that Chelsea has definitely slowed down and have ended the season trophyless, I think uh, Gates has gained a lot of ground here on this. And it's interesting to see how it develops over the next year. Gates, would you like to speak on this? Yes, I would like to say a few things. I wasn't... I- I was wrong his first year because he did deliver a Champions League title. I wasn't that wrong, though, when you look at their overall performance in the Premier League that year. they There was a moment where they were flirting with fifth place, sixth place in the, in, in the Premier League. They ended up, I think, in, in fourth or third and ended up securing the Champions League victory. So it didn't matter. But there was evidence of some cracks in the foundation that that Tuchel was, was papering over. I'd also like to draw our attention to um, some well... Before you shift, I'd like to address just one thing that you said about what you just said, and then I'll let you shift to the next thing you're going to say. It doesn't matter if you flirt with 5th and 6th and 7th yep. if you win the Champions League. It just that, that eviscerates everything. Absolutely. Okay. Back to you. But it does point to a pattern. Oh. And, and that pattern continues into this year where they were staunchly in third the entire year. Honestly, never really looked like contending. At first, it looked like, oh, Man City's running away with this. Nobody can catch them. Wait a minute. Liverpool caught them. So they were catchable, just not by Tuchel and his team. Um, once again, no competition for Premier League uh, glory. And speaking of patterns, I'd really like to look at what Tuchel's star offensive players, how they, how they have delivered. Uh, Romelu Lukaku, 
big oopsies there. Timo Werner has not delivered at all. Even though Tuchel loves his play, loves what he does, he's a big fan of offsides goals that don't count, apparently. Uh, Christian Pulisic is literally Chelsea's best statistical finisher, yet he gets less attacking minutes than anybody else in that cohort. Uh, King Ziyech can't, can't find the ability to play. Tuchel's Christmas tree system is fucked and is antiquated and doesn't make sense in the modern game. And I honestly believe it'll be fascinating to see now that if, if Roman Abramovich was still here, if we had a second season where Chelsea does not contend for Premier League title and doesn't win the Champions League, I honestly believe Roman would have fired him because that's what Roman did. It'll be fascinating to see what the American ownership and top bully do now. Uh, but if, if Chelsea can't close the growing gap between them and City and Liverpool and also can't close the gap between them and PSG and Bayern Munich, it'll be fascinating to see what becomes of Chelsea. Well said. Um, that is a drama that is just going to be ongoing. Um, very interesting to see how that one ends. The final day drama. Yeah. This, this I think, is a bit of a different story because it's not really at anybody's expense uh but you know the academy wanted to acknowledge the rarity that was the excitement of the final day of soccer uh in the european leagues this season and the italian and english leagues concluding on the same day english leagues in the morning here in the states and italian leagues in the afternoon uh but we had in, in premier league the title coming down to literally the final minutes uh, top four qualification coming down to the final minutes and two of the three relegation spots coming down to the final minutes uh, as well as the Serie A title and the Serie A relegation battle and there was just I can't remember the last time we had all of those high high stakes games coming down to the literal final minutes of the final day of the season and I was literally watching one game on my phone and then, like, look, checking the scores, like, making the box mini while at brunch with my wife's family and my in-laws. And they're, they're, like, very staunch about, like, not having phones on the table. And my wife was not pleased with me. And I turned to her and I said, you guys planned a brunch on, like, my Easter. Yeah. That's, and on, me, that, well, that's I, on you. That's on you. That's four, not on me. I had, I had four TV screens going simultaneously. <laughs> They should have been grateful that I was at the brunch, in my opinion. <laughs> um, the next nominee for most outstanding drama was the rise and demise, for now, of the European Super League. And kind of a caveat to this, like the cocaine, argu- the allegedly cocaine-laced rants of Florentino Perez that followed. <laughs> just all of that saga with the fans and players responding against it, that was, cra- that was just crazy. I mean, it's th- that's a saga that's not going to be do- over until it actually happens, and you know it's, it's one of those things where like we have to we will be standing and fighting against the the never ending tide until it does eventually sweep us out to sea and drown us. Out. Maybe that's when we end the podcast when there's a super league and soccer's dead. <sighs> Maybe we we'll just hope. become a U.S. a U.S. men's national team podcast. Ooh, yeah, you know, it's, there's, there's a market there. Oversaturated, but there's a market. Yeah, but they don't do it like we do it, buddy. 
speaking of nobody doing it like like somebody does it, the Don reasserts himself as Champions League master and one of the few established in the pantheon of managers of the game. Don Carlo and his trusted uh, battlefield manager Benzema and come from behind wins. Every knockout tie with Real Madrid was so dramatic and so much fun and so awesome. It's not just that they won the Champions League. They did it with flair and style and drama and theatrics. It was fucking awesome. It was and a, they did it, one and of the most memorable Champions League runs we've had in a long time. Not even not even was it with flair and drama and, and edge of your seat entertainment. It was knocking out PSG, knocking out Man City, knocking out Liverpool. They literally knocked out the favorites. And Chelsea. And Ch- they literally knocked out the, fa- the favorites plus Chelsea. I just wanted you to just—I was just throwing out that out there. Yeah. Okay. The final only of the night. We've had a wonderful award show. We'd like to first, before we announce the winner, we'd like to thank the academy, the listeners. Um, this is why we do this for the Onis every year, except for the year when we skipped it for a reason that really doesn't make sense. <laughs> the Oni for the 2022 Most Outstanding Drama goes to. Tuchel v. Gates, because Gates made strides in 2022 on this one. And I am fascinated to see what happens first. Because, to me, this is how the drama ends. This is how we have a winner. If Tuchel gets sacked, Eric wins, unless Tuchel wins another Champions League in his career. I, I, I would argue... I'd argue... If Tuchel gets sacked before he either wins a Champions League or the Premier League with Chelsea, he okay. wins one of those two things with Chelsea, he defeats me. Okay, I agree. And if he does those two things before getting sacked, if he does those two things before getting sacked, winning the Champions League with Chelsea or the Premier League, then he wins. But if he gets sacked and doesn't those two doesn't do those two things with Chelsea, but later in his career wins a Champions League, I think he kind of like comes back from the dead against you. That is fair. That is true. And it, 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 I mean, probably, yes. I think, we'll I think the rivalry is reborn if he wins it after getting sacked from Chelsea. And then it's just back. I mean, you guys are back to yeah, neutral. I'm, I'm never going to, like, I'm probably never going to not root against him in the grand scheme of things. So, yeah, you're it's, probably right there. But here's, here's how I. There's one way that I win it uh, unequivocally, no matter what happens. If he gets if ousted, he dies? Yeah. no, God, no, no, no. That 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 that'd be too generous. Uh, <laughs> it's got real morbid. No, if he gets sacked from Chelsea and Poch gets hired and Poch continues the PSG curse of winning the Champions League at his next spot, yes, then I, I agree. Then, then, then I win. It's done. Unequivocal win for you. The rivalry is done, cannot be revived. No matter yeah. what Tuchel does in his skinny, skinny career. He is such a skinny man. I hope, he, I hope the American manager feeds him, the American owner. Like, I don't know, just get him a sandwich. He needs more than a sandwich. Yeah, no kidding. All right. Well, hey, fam. Thanks, thanks for tuning in to the Onis this year. Um, you know how to reach us. You know, we've got the email, ungoalpod at gmail.com. You can hit us on social. Donnie's got those deeds for you. I don't even remember the... It's, 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 it's all at ungoalpod. Ungoalpod. 
you know, eventually we'll check the email, but I don't think you guys really send us anything, so what's the point? Um, we'll be back probably in in a week or two when there's some updates on the stupid silly time. Yeah. And, and now that we're seeing some, like, you know, uh, training camps starting to report, sounds, sounds like there's going to be some updates there. So we'll, we'll, we'll follow up with you in, in, in a week or two, and then we'll kind of start gearing up for the, the start of the next season. It's, it's not that far away. It's not. We're probably a little about five weeks away from the start of the prem. Man, closer to four. Yeah. Well, with that, we bid you a good night and a bye. It's in. It's an up goal. It's a gift. Oh, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. It goes straight into the bottom of the corner.